The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald Chapter 2, Section 2 His voice faded off, and Tom glanced impatiently around the garage. Then I heard footsteps on a stairs, and in a moment the thickish figure of a woman blocked out the light from the office door. She was in the middle thirties and faintly stout, but she carried her surplus flesh sensuously as some women can. Her face, above a spotted dress of dark blue crepe de chine, contained no facet or gleam of beauty. But there was an immediately perceptible vitality about her, as if the nerves of her body were continually smoldering. She smiled slowly, and walking through her husband as if he were a ghost, shook hands with Tom, looking him flush in the eye. Then she wet her lips, and without turning around, spoke to her husband in a soft, coarse voice. Get some chairs, why don't you, so somebody can sit down. Oh, sure, agreed Wilson hurriedly, and went toward the little office, mingling immediately with the cement color of the walls. A white ashen dust veiled his dark suit and his pale hair as it veiled everything in the vicinity, except his wife, who moved close to Tom. I want to see you, said Tom intently. Get on the next train. All right. I'll meet you by the newsstand on the lower level. She nodded and moved away from him, just as George Wilson emerged with two chairs from his office door. We waited for her down the road and out of sight. It was a few days before the 4th of July, and a gray, scrawny Italian child was setting torpedoes in a row along the railroad track. Terrible place, isn't it? said Tom, exchanging a frown with Dr. Eckelberg. Awful. It does her good to get away. Doesn't her husband object? Wilson? He thinks she goes to see her sister in New York. He's so dumb, he doesn't know he's alive. So, Tom Buchanan and his girl and I went up together to New York. Or, not quite together, for Mrs. Wilson sat discreetly in another car, Tom deferred that much to the sensibilities of those East Eggers who might be on the train. She had changed her dress to a brown-figured muslin which stretched tight over her rather wide hips as Tom helped her to the platform in New York. At the newsstand, she bought a copy of Town Tattle and a moving picture magazine and... In the station drugstore, some cold cream and a small flask of perfume. Upstairs, in the solemn, echoing drive, she let four taxicabs drive away before she selected a new one, lavender-colored with gray upholstery. And in this, we slid out from the mass of the station into the glowing sunshine. But immediately, she turned sharply from the window and, leaning forward, tapped on the front glass. I want to get one of those dogs, she said earnestly. I want to get one for the apartment. They're nice to have. A dog? We backed up 
to a gray old man who bore an absurd resemblance to John D. Rockefeller. In a basket, swung from his neck, cowered a dozen very recent puppies of an indeterminate breed. What kind are they? asked Mrs. Wilson eagerly as he came to the taxi window. All kinds. What kind do you want, lady? I'd like to get one of those police dogs. I don't suppose you got that kind. The man peered doubtfully into the basket, plunged in his hand, and drew one up, wriggling by the back of the neck. That's no police dog, said Tom. Uh, no, it's not exactly a police dog, said the man with a disappointment in his voice. It's more of a Airedale. He passed his hand over the brown wash rag of a back. Look at that coat. Some coat. That's a dog that'll never bother you with catching cold. I think it's cute, said Mrs. Wilson enthusiastically. How much is it? That dog? He looked at it admiringly. That dog will cost you $10. The Airedale. Undoubtedly, there was an Airedale concerned in it somewhere, though its feet were startlingly white, changed hands and settled down into Mrs. Wilson's lap where she fondled the weatherproof coat with rapture. Is it a boy or a girl? she asked delicately. That dog? That dog's a boy. It's a bitch, said Tom decisively. Here's your money. Go and buy ten more dogs with it.